I don't know if you and every other Long Islander just has like Stockholm syndrome about like where you live or what the situation is, but in no way is uh, Stockholm anybody's anybody's schedule who lives on Long Island like a normal human schedule with how long it takes to get in and out of the city and back to Long Island. That's such a, it, it is insane. As someone who you know lived here. You should know that it's less Stockholm syndrome and more like it, there's it, it's horrible moving and the the price of rent is so high. We were just I was just recently looking into this and apartments that used to cost you know twelve hundred are now going for seventeen hundred. A lot of the regular ones. So, yeah. So absolutely. So the the commute is really more of like you don't get to pick where you live. If you're living in New York, you don't get to pick where you live anymore like you you can have an idea of where you want to live and that is not you know sustainable um that's not like i get a plan. it but i i mean i will be a little bit close i'm gonna be in queens i'm gonna be doing most of the classes through in okay. queens and sure. hopefully waking up at you know 6 a.m to get over there like i i did do this schedule when i originally started the job so uh, I don't, I hope the traffic, it's, it's crazy to me that traffic is only getting worse and worse and worse because I, you would have thought that there, there were so many things that I thought would have made traffic better. Um, you know, the, the rise of work from home, right? So, so, so why is there not, you know, large swaths of the workforce that is just doing work from home? Um, and then COVID, you know, it's dark, but killed people, um, Especially in New York, where we, when we were had like the 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 first wave, yeah. But but I I just I don't get it. I traffic is getting worse and worse from even when I started the job five years ago, where I would have like an hour commute, you know, an hour ten, and now it's like an hour thirty regular. And also the the what you know what is the most infuriating. This is going to be my first bit of stand up. Is that you know most, what really grinds my you know what really grinds my um is is when is the words the the phrase rush hour. It's not rush hour. It's like there is there is a there is a single like rushless hour from eleven to twelve around, and that is it. And then you're back, and then it's rush day. Like you're, you're the whole day is rush hour. It's it's crazy too because I was recently driving like at I I, I mean I I just mentioned this because it was like I was driving at eleven thirty driving my uh, after uh, I visited you in Pittsburgh and afterwards I was I spent a little bit of the day uh, back at my place and then I drove my I I, I drove me and my girlfriend. Uh, I mean I have to drive me. Um, that we went over to her house to stay for a couple days and she lives in Queens and I drove at 1130 at night, 1130 PM. And there was traffic. There wasn't, and it wasn't even like there was, there was, um, uh, yeah. you know, and it, it, there wasn't an accident. There wasn't road work. It was just, you know, it's 1130. You got a lot of people on the road, of course. Why wouldn't you have a lot of people on the road heading to, to Long, like from Long Island to Queens at 1130? It's just, it, it's crazy. There's just too many goddamn humans. They, they got it. Thanos was right. I think about it every single day. I sit in traffic. I'm just like, how much better would this world be if just half of the people were snapped out? No. Bad start uh, to a podcast. Depends on which half. You know, depends the on, thing is, depends is on you gotta, if you snap out the billionaires, I think that, that even just that, you know. Also, people need to be spread around. Part of it also is just office culture, right? Yeah. The idea that people have to be situated around cities. 
instead of having a divided workforce well, I don't so get that the people work. could live in smaller I places. I don't get not having work. Everyone should be work from home. If your job doesn't, like my my job, if you're not a, if there's not a physical component to your job, if there's not a Amazon workers, right? Like they they must go to work. They can't UPS. You, and UPS and UP, USPS, those people, male male people, cannot possibly uh, work from home, right? Uh, EMTs, of course, doctors and nurses, um, police, all those jobs yeah. that you can't work from home. But if, if it's an office job and you're doing data and you're on, like, a, a computer, which is a lot of people, then why? Just for the for the sake of everyone else, just please, just have your office work from home. I my sister works for a company which I don't want to like say the name of. It's a popular company, um, a, a popular like social media uh, uh, company. And after COVID, when they they were all you know they, they they were doing the work from home thing because they had to, and then they decided to buy office space. And it, and it was this whole thing where she, she was confused. She was like, this is costing us millions and millions and millions of dollars. And we're having to buy office space and move everyone back in and figure out people's, you know, and you got to buy chairs, schedules you know? that they're going to be there. You got yeah, to buy chairs. And the chairs are chairs. Have are you expensive. seen the economy for chairs? I have. I've, I've been thought, doing a lot of chair research recently. Everyone thought that chairs died during COVID, and then, no, you're wrong. All the chairs passed their chairs down to other people during COVID. So now you used to have an office chair, and you thought this office chair died. And, yeah, it did die, but now guess what? Now you need to buy a gaming chair. <laughs> the gaming chairs are starting at 300 You can get a secret lab? Okay, well, you know. I wouldn't get a secret lab. I've been sitting on a secret lab for four years now, and I would say, get another chair whoa you know i feel like so i've been dealing uh speaking of working from home i don't have a standing desk situation which i've been regretting uh at this point because i've been developing sciatica that's getting pretty bad but i've been doing a lot of chair research and watching chair tier lists yeah and what i've learned is there's a lot of good chairs out there and none of them are secret labs but man there, the, the three chairs that I'm really interested in right now is the uh, the Herman Miller and Body, the Steelcase Leap, and uh, the one I like the most, the Hayworth Fern. The Ooh, Hayworth so these are, Fern. These are my top three contenders right now, uh, and I'm trying to visit some chair showrooms. It's an investment. Uh, you know, some of these chairs, they're over $1,000, you know. But you spend a lot of time in your sitting chair. in chairs. And also, uh, it's important for your back. You know, like it's it's critical. What back? My back you... is is decimated, but it's not my chair's fault. Not my chair's fault. It's it's not it's not just your chair's fault. It's not just you... my chair's maybe my chair played a small role in it, but Yeah, I'm I'm sure that it's not the, the primary factor for I like me. My new chair. Probably, I actually got a cheaper is. I actually got like a cheaper Amazon chair that was like a hundred fifty dollars gaming chair and i've been surprised at what a big improvement it was like it, it it's it is a lot better it is a lot better than I, my old chair i need i need a lumbar support like mine I need does have built in and, and, mine, mine has that built-in moving um lumbar pad oh pad okay yeah, yeah like it, it's got one of those little little uh padaroos that kind of like you can move it up and down cool cool uh, but yeah, I've been I've been just researching chairs, and I, I you know I feel like once I once I get this chair, 
the only thing I'm going to be missing at that point is a standing desk. Uh, and then I got to figure out what I'm going to do from there. Cause, uh, like re like changing an entire desk setup is a, is a lot harder than just like changing out your chair. Sure. I mean, maybe you could go for it, do a different thing and have like a work from a work from home computer. That's kind of more simplistic on a different desk that has a standing chair and yeah. just, uh, just candles your, your work stuff. And then you have your, your gaming stuff. Cause you gotta sit down to play some street fighter. You gotta sit down to play yeah, some. Belgium I don't game. think I do. You don't think so. You, you don't think so. You do. I play on a controller, right? Which means that I could just rest my hands on like a, a platform or whatever and, and play from there. I've done it before. He's done I, it I don't before. think it's too bad. Wow. I don't think it's too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, take care of your back, you know? Take care of your back, and then when you get older, your back will take care of you. You know what they say? Isn't that what they I say? Mean, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard when uh, you sit for a job and then you sit as your hobby. Yeah. A lot of sitting. That's why I try and incorporate not sitting into some of my into some of my hobbies. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of reasons to sit recently because there's a lot of video games. Yes, it. This is probably this is the greatest year of games that I remember. There's never it been. Is, a it's incredible. Time it's absolutely incredible, video isn't games. it? I finished Tears of the Kingdom, so that game uh, very consistent all the way through. I, I think that like every the, the, the thing about games like uh, Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring and Tears of the Kingdom, Totka, th they have a lot of tricks, but at some point you've seen all the tricks and it keeps going for a long time after that. And and you feel that especially, I think, in Elden Ring. Yeah, more than in any yeah. Of these I mean, games. Elden Ring, Elden Ring really like. In the beginning, it just feels like the world is endless, and then you get to the point where you know you, you're you're entering a catacombs, you know, number eighty, and you're like, "This is the same catacombs that, that I've yeah, been in." And and every once in a while, you you do get hit with a surprise, but toward the end of Zelda, uh, and I felt this way uh, in Breath of the Wild too. Breath of the Wild pushed up against the release of Persona Five, and Tears of the Kingdom pushed up against the release of Baldur's Gate 3. I wanted to finish these games and start the other games because I just love the zeitgeist. You know, I, I like to play a game on release. I like to see other people playing it. I like the discourse. So I had to finish Zelda. Uh, incredible ending. Just really worth seeing the ending of yeah, Zelda. Yeah, do you, do you feel, are, was... you, are you trying to say that you feel like it kind of is different, that Zelda packs more surprises all the way up into the end, or is it a similar thing where... On the main line. On the main line, on the it main does. line, yeah. I mean, the the they they did they certainly uh, Tears of the Kingdom, if if nothing else, like they kind of addressed, I would say, every major kind of complaint I would have with the first one. The, some basic stuff like there's just more monster variety, there's more variety to the world, the world is bigger, and there's more unique events. And then the yeah. definitely the mainline quest is less like the the way my the mainline quest from breath of the wild was you go up to like an area and you talk to some people for a little bit and then you get to the dungeon and the dungeons are all kind of the same exact thing um and there's no because of the way that the game functions there's no new mechanic like there is in in previous zelda games it's not like an old zelda game where where you get up to a new area, a new dungeon, and then now it's all about the hookshot or the bow and learning all these different puzzles with it. But at least in this one, um, they've got like you know, it, I I feel like it might be too much of a spoiler, but they certainly get around it. Um, 
in, yeah, in, in an interesting way. Yeah, that's not a spoiler way. to say. Uh, I was really satisfied with the ending. Uh, I was really satisfied with just, like, the map and the areas. I feel like in this game they encourage you to see more of the map than in, in Breath of the Wild. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad to be on the other end of it. I thought the, the last few segments of that game are really incredible. Uh, and now I'm on to other games. So, you know, I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3. I feel like Baldur's Gate 3 is... Some people, I feel like, have been waiting for this game for a really long time. They could have right? just played it. It was out, right? It was just out. I, out. In early access, sure. But I, I feel like it is incredibly anticlimactic to play through a game like Baldur's Gate 3 and play through, like, the first act and then know that you need to wait to play the rest of it because because then what do you do do you you can't play your early access saves in the final version of this game okay yeah so you would have to restart i'm pretty sure and do you want to restart and and see some of this stuff over i mean like there definitely is like that opportunity right because this is a game uh it's you it's dungeons and dragons right like like it's fifth edition dungeons and dragons a lot of race options, uh, class options, genital options. You get, you can have penis B. If you don't like penis A, you could use penis B. So which is all the, best, the options. Which is the best there. penis? Penis B. Why? Know? What is so good about penis B? Uh, I don't know. I, main, I didn't really. Or... I didn't really go through no. the uh, through the options. But yeah, I mean, Wrinkly, I, I, I guess more there is. Uh, and sure. Sure. I, I guess there are like reasons why you would want to replay the game to see different outcomes. But for me, I don't think Baldur's Gate really released until this month. And, and you know, I I'd played it a little bit in early access. Uh, Ryan Galloway played it in early access. Thank you, Ryan Galloway. And we both, we both came to the Bumper. conclusion that there's no reason to play this game in early access. You know, just like this is a game that you're probably just going to play once for a lot of people. Uh, so just wait. And it's been it's been worth the wait so far, you know. Uh, I'm currently just in Act One still, uh, but it is exactly Dungeons and Dragons the video game. Um, so far, do you like it better than like? I mean, this is probably a little bit too early to ask this kind of question, but how does it relate to Pathfinder, which you really loved? So, I think that this game is a little less. It's it's weird because this this game I would say has more production value. I I think like that's the major one. Like it's such an incredible looking game, uh, and voice acting just like tons and tons of voice acting. What you miss out on in this game though is that it's less complex than Pathfinder. I would say, and, and maybe that's good for some people. But you know, this is a game with twelve classes. And yeah, there's like a bunch of subclasses. I think that, you know, there's over 30 plus subclasses once you get into it. But but I think that this game is doing more with less. And, and I think that that's like the biggest difference. And, and also this game, I mean, it's it, it feels like it's happening on a smaller scale where it's not like you're managing armies and you're worried about like you know it's more of a personal story than it is uh, a story about the whole kingdom or whatever do you know anything about the story of Baldur's Gate 
three because it is an awesome. I thought setup. I, I thought I played through the a little bit of the early access where it was like there was aliens that was wasn't that where there was mind like shape, there was mind yeah. flayer and they were like creating false humans or something like human dolls or something maybe yeah they were you they were putting uh like the mind flayer worm into you and then you're essentially like a sleeper agent that they could activate and then you like turn into a mind flayer's uh servant or something hell yeah so you escape the ship and then you and a bunch of the other survivors who become your party members you know you venture forth and find a attempt to find a cure for the uh for the worm in your eyeball and i mean you, you should do that your, anyway you should really be yeah, thinking about that anyway yeah you can make your own character uh so you could choose from a bunch of different races and classes and all of that is going to influence you know the dialogue options and and the way that you play the game but you can also choose to play as one of the origin characters so they have a a bunch of pre-made characters who if you don't choose to play as them uh, they are some of your party members. And I guess the advantage to doing that is uh, just full voice acting, right? Like if you if you don't choose that option, uh, then you have then you hear less VO through the game. Okay. Uh, you, your character still gets some VO, but it's mostly like, uh, I can't do that yet. I can't ever like do that. it. I can never do it yet. That's been a huge problem for me. We just don't have it yet. We just don't have it yet. But yeah, I, I feel like uh, there, there was a weird review situation with this game where uh, because of the way that like the early access like worked with Steam, the game was released released a month early. They, they released it a month early to get ahead of Starfield. Uh, so there was like weird review stuff where reviewers didn't get codes until like three days before the game released. It's like a hundred hour game. So there's not like a lot of full reviews for the game floating around yet. There's like a lot of like review in progress, but at the same time, uh, this game has is in like the top 10, uh, most concurrent players of all time on steam. So they're not doing bad. So people are liking it. People are liking, I mean, people bought it. I'm surprised. Yeah. Cause uh, like I, I am hearing a lot of people just mention for whatever weird reason. Like I, 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 I see a lot of people talking about this game and I wouldn't necessarily think that this is a popular, this is seems to me like a niche genre, but I guess as, as time goes on, we're just like slowly seeing how every genre genre is becoming like surprisingly less niche. Um, but, uh, like, I, I guess the example would be like, I, I, I there was like the new, um, a pro Mark two bundle in, uh, Mar and Marvel snap. And it's a hundred dollars and you can't you, like you go into any of those threads and people are saying, well, I'm going to get, uh, you know, you could get this or you could get Baldur's Gate and a pizza and beer and a pack of beer or a can of beer or something, you know, um, comparing one like can that, of beer, a can, a can of beer. And um, and then like, you know, my my gotchas, of course, of people are like, oh, I spent this much on trying to get this swimsuit character and I could have gotten Baldur's Gate or something. Uh, so the, it's, it's just currently in the game gameosphere. I see a lot of people comparing using Baldur's Gate specifically as like a um, value proposition, kind of like a as like a, a money value proposition. Um, and it's and it's also funny because, you know, a lot of those people would pick up Baldur's Gate and play it for like two hours and then be like this fucking game. 
And then and then they would go back to playing Marvel Snap and complaining about the prices of shit. Yeah, I you know I, I, before we before we, we will stay on Baldur's Gate, but this just reminds me of like the, the theme for this week's podcast for me is public outrage over something that the public doesn't understand, which is weird to me because it it shouldn't be that weird, but it's weird to me that big fans of something uh, get so angry and virulent over something that they don't understand and uh uh just like let that hatred change the discourse of the thing that they like even though they're specifically the audience that you think would have done the research and like wait a little bit to see how it pans out but true 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 you're a rock star um is there anything else on on the Baldur's Gate? You've been excited about this for for a little while, and apparently a lot of people else, a lot of other people were. I'm, I'm I like I said, I'm for, I'm really surprised that uh uh I feel like games like uh, Divinity Original Sin um, and Pathfinder um, walked so Baldur's Gate apparently could run. So, I mean, so have you seen like screenshots or like gameplay of this game? It I, is really incredible. Yeah, I, I play like I said, I played it a couple years ago when there was the early access. And, and I do, I, I, you know, people have said like, oh, the first, this company is really good at making act ones of games, but I do really feel like my, my character has gotten to do cool things. I'm like a Githyanki warlock. Githyankis are uh, an enslaved race who has dealt with the mind flayers enslaving them in the past. So they kind of have like this real personal stake in what's going on. Yeah, they're the and opposite I feel like, of Githmets, right? Uh, I don't know what a Githmet is, but yeah, well, maybe. Well, Githyanki and Githmet. Oh, that's it's, funny. I yeah, like it's, that. It's really hilarious. It's good. That's good. That's good. That's, that's good a good joke once you explain it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not from, I'm I'm not a New Yorker anymore, right? Like they took that card away from me. Yeah. Now um, you only so understand I don't pirates. Get the so I should have made a, I should have made a pirates joke. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Black and yellow. Uh, but I feel like I've really gotten to do some like cool stuff with being a warlock and like, you know, like looking at like the runes on on like things or like noticing things that other characters wouldn't notice. And it, it is really interesting to think about what it would have been like if I chose like a ranger and how I could have interacted with certain enemies if I were a ranger, like running into an injured owl bear or like running into a, a sad dog. And I could be like, it's OK, sad dog, okay, you yeah. know. But then you're a warlock and then the dog is confused and then you try and summon the dog and it's, you know, already summoned. Yeah, and... but the uh, the warlock does give you some in, uh, incredible opportunities to be a spellblade. So that's been it's been neat. That's a good game. Uh, let's see if I stick with it. Right. Yeah. This, these games, I, I always realize because because uh, I had a, I have a friend who was asking about this and uh, he's really always into um, uh, di like divinity and uh, Pathfinder and stuff like that. And I, I just think that this game is, like, so far out of my... I've, I've tried a couple of these, and I've never stuck that hard to them. Um, usually, there's just, like, you know, initial awkwardness in the first couple... Of, for, first of all, they, they, they aren't good on first blush, usually, because the game is... Like, the tutorials are, like, pretty brutal, I think, because they're, they're, they're big and, like, complicated games, and they, and, they, and they want you to... At the start of the game, there are so many buttons. Like, you're, you're introduced to the game, and there's, like, two dozen buttons that are, like, shove, jump, hide, like, steal. Like, there's, 
there yeah. are buttons for everything and and sometimes you forget all of the capabilities of your character like you forget like oh yeah gith yankees have a psionic ability that allows them to uh like use telekinesis to let other people like jump higher but it's like a thing that i forgot very shortly after making my character and then i realized it and i was like oh shit i have this ability that i didn't think of because the hot bars can only show so much yeah and you can so easily get lost in them so so like there's that that's one of my issues with these games is that and and, and it's one of those games where it, it won't ever sing until you get through the tutorial and i under i i i i, I don't envy any devs that have to um, tutorialize the beginning because like when they're when they're hand holding you you a are frustrated because it's more boring and you're not usually getting to experience th what really makes these games special which is when you get the freedom to start doing the things you want to do and start interacting with the world and seeing how your choices are changing the game or or your character or race um you know is interacting with the game in a different way and until and they they really need to make sure that you're comfortable with everything but you know like you're not and you're you're not going to have fun until you've gone to the tutorial but the tutorial is not going to be fun and it's going to take a long time so there's that and then also just like the amount of time required like to make these games like i almost want a game that's like you know we did a good one of these um from like the amount from like like a game that would be like a a, a dungeons and dragons um, you know, Pathfinder-y kind of game um, where it has that incredible, incredible depth, but it's like 10 hours. It's like a really... I think the closest you can get to that is probably like Disco Elysium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Disco Elysium is, is actually a really Which good example. Which is like a 30-hour game. It's like a good example of this. Something like that where it has all these elements of your choices matter. Uh, every moment is like you're getting so many options and you're really getting to deeply role play and that you're, you know, every single thing you're doing is really impacting the story. But that it's like, just when I hear, like, especially when you have real life things, um, like two, like a, like a hundred hour, 200 hour game is like, if I, if this is something, especially as complicated as that, it, it doesn't, like I've I've already played Street Fighter for like a hundred hours, but I just do it in bursts or when I can, and there's nothing that I need to keep up with. But if this is a game like that where I would be playing it for a couple days and then I can't get to it for a week, and then I'm confused getting back in, or I'm out of the story, or I don't remember one of the choices I made, you know, like it doesn't. It, it really wants you to sit down and play it and like try and. And I will it. say this though, it is incredibly addicting. Yeah. It for, is for, for, for so you. engaging. For you. Probably not for me, but... Yeah. I think that you're someone who is bored by um, gameplay light. Like, you're someone who needs to be really engaged in the gameplay, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do I do find that I, like, I'm gravitating more towards games where, um, like, you, like I, I, on this podcast, I'm always the one who, like, likes you know, fighting games are Valorant, uh, a lot. Um, we both like snap, but it, those are games where you're active every single second. Um, that, that like, it's like high, um, like user input and, um, yeah. there, there's not like a lot of down. I, I mean, like I, I play, um, gotchas, which is the other side of that, where it's like, sure. Kind of can be like lower. But, user but those input, are, those, that's even... a game in your pocket, right? Like that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't think that you would play one of those like sitting at your PC if yeah. that's like, like if you could have an option. One game that I you know that I have been playing that that I think you would be engaged with uh, is Remnant. Yeah, 2. I got to put more time into this. So you had a weird situation with Remnant Two. So so you know we I could say that up do. front, which is that. Uh, I, I, I went past that that area and I got into the main. So so there was some weirdness where I um, there was a tutorial and I did the tutorial and I got to the um, initial like kind of starting village town um, city and um, I it was just I was exhausted and I, I I thought like you know it's it's it has I did the tutorial and I got to the town and everything and it gave me back control of my character so I really was just like you know there's no reason to think that it didn't save so like I exited out of it and then I woke up the next morning and found that it didn't save anything and I had to do the tutorial again and that's just annoying. I don't know why that happened. I guess, like, I'm not sure if the yeah. game doesn't save until the first, like... Maybe it doesn't save, save until, until you the hit the, the, and, the bonfires. Yeah, like, there... Because it is, like, a... Uh, you know, we played through Remnant... Um, uh, vanilla Remnant. Remnant 1. Remnant 1. I thought it was it was pretty good. I, I had a really good time with it. It, it, it. It's it's one of those games where, like... Is this game popular now? Or is Remnant it... Remnant 1 or Remnant, Remnant 2? 2? Remnant 2 is pretty, pretty popular, popular yeah. right so it's like kind of a, becoming a franchise but okay so so um let's get into it so it's a third person like over the shoulder um shooter but it's a, it's a looter shooter in a, a way but not exactly yeah it's a looter shooter people, but it also some has some people have called it a looter shooter it also is like and and here i don't think this is going to make this any better but um because because like what you're like the next thing is like well what game isn't this but it's dark souls too it's all. It's also Dark Souls. It's like it's uh, you know it's, uh, it's a looter shooter, but it's like heavy action movement, and then there's this whole kind of like it, uh, uh, pseudo Destiny ish. Like it's very class based, very like magic cooldowns, abilities, um, so stuff like that. I, one one thing that I think is interesting about this game, and somebody else. This isn't my my quote, but someone said that uh, Remnant 2 makes good on the promises of Destiny, where Destiny has this idea of like, oh, shit, where did you get that gun? And then they're like, let me tell you the story of how I went to the moon and slayed the warlock and got the gun. But Remnant 2 actually has that fucking shit in it where you will have this insane looking gun which is every gun, by the way. Every gun is insane and has an insane ability. Yeah, on I love it. the aesthetic. The aesthetic is um, there's it's is it uh, is it called Deathwood? Or am I wrong? Or dead? The the dead rod De or Death whatever you want to call it. Death Deathroot. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, so so like it is a very it, it's a better it's certainly better looking than Remnant One, which is you know like I'm not saying that that's an insane bar to to clear because it's a sequel. It's an iterative sequel, but I I. I I do kind of find myself liking the world and the vibe of Remnant. So it's like human Earth post-apocalyptic and like you, you got that vibe down. So just think of like, especially if you're like recently played like Last of Us or watched the Last of Us show. So it's that. But um, the main enemy is these... I mean, it's very Last of Us also because Last of Us is like this fungus enemy where, you know, it's, it's overgrown. Um, uh, think of post-post-apocalypse where... Um, nature, like, because I, I, I always love this reclaimed nature kind of where 
um, you, you have like the cities and but the cities are just covered in massive vines and there's just foliage and outgrowth and trees everywhere and broken down cars and destroyed, you know, um, skyscrapers and stuff like that. So you have that. And then the enemy vibe is demonic roots. Um, and I think even in the tutorial, they do a really good job of like, you kind of go down into this subway system that is that is claimed over by these like demon roots. So you have these like incredibly dark darks and these roots that have these glowing red, like violent looking kind of like pustules and stuff. And uh, it's a good look. It's a good like it combines that kind of um, American uh, city with the reclaimed nature plus these root kind of demonic zombie yeah. um uh uh plants so that's where it starts but the aesthetic gets even wilder once you start getting into the game yeah i mean because... remember, didn't remnant one go into like it went into like floating monoliths and stuff like yeah, that yeah this like, is like you're going into like alternate universes they did uh, that in remnant one right where's like, because that was the whole yeah. thing with the teleport and then at the end of the game you we you were in those like destiny style like egyptian floating pyramids yeah, and in this, it's it's kind of similar to that. And you know what it feels a lot like aesthetically? One of the levels uh, feels a lot like, uh, what was that other, the PlayStation or Returnal? Returnal. So there's a lot of like Returnal aesthetic here where it's like this space magic with like deadly cubes and like laser guns. And, you know, laser guns isn't interesting. More like laser swords or laser hammers. Uh but yeah, I mean, the, the, the core conceit also, so you start out with uh, four classes to choose from. There's uh, good the diversity, classes... too. I think I might actually be, because it's like Medic, um, which is like, looks, also the classes, the starting classes, their gear are just so good, right? Like, they look so fucking cool right out of the, the gate. Yeah. But there's like a Hunter that has a dog, a Medic, a, no, 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 excuse me. Like, I think it's Tracker, because Hunter is, there's like... A, there's a Handler, which has a dog. There's yeah, okay, a, okay. Cha a Challenger, which is a melee class. The Hunter, Long Range, and a Medic. Uh, yeah. Each with uh, different perks and abilities uh, that you get as you level up the class. But throughout the what game... I, what did you pick? Did you pick Tracker, or...? I picked uh, the Handler. Handler, yeah. Handler, yeah. But there are classes hidden through the world. So you will, like, do... Like, find weird secret quests... And then, like, unlock more classes, and they're subclassing, and you can change your class. Uh, but as you're killing bosses, they're giving you, like, Dark Souls-style, like, materials that you're bringing to a crafter to make new abilities or to make new weapons. So some of that is similar to uh, the way that Remnant 1 worked. But in this game, they really dial it up, and they really dial up the, um, like, differences in the world when you're playing it, like, over... And the, so the, the main way that you're playing this game is there's a campaign mode, which is you're going through a linear story, but your story is going to be different from other people's uh, just because of the way that there's like procedural generation, uh, which is going to lead you to fighting different bosses. And that is going to lead you to having different equipment than your friends, which I think is really neat. But there's cool. also at any time you can switch to an adventure mode. Uh, which lets you re-roll uh, areas that you've beaten uh, to play them again, uh, get different loot. That's a little bit of a bosses. Path of Exile Diablo-y, right? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, but 
yeah, the moment to moment gameplay, uh, it just feels really good for, you know, some people have said there's uh, performance issues. I haven't run into any of that. This game is running like silky smooth on, on my machine and it, and it looks incredible. Uh, and the gameplay, it's just like really punchy. It's like a really oh yeah, they really nailed that shooter. that um that bungee uh, five seconds of fun thing. Like the uh the, the all that kind of like visceral nature you want out of these kind of games is there. Um, where you like you you shoot an enemy and there's good like enemy reaction to that or like good crit, like crits feel good and the abilities that you have are flashy and big and if you're playing with a friend it's that you get that kind of thing of you see them do something and you're like i kind of want to roll that class that's so cool that they get to do that kind of thing yeah and the boss fights have really just been incredible um really memorable and original there are some puzzle boss fights which i thought have been really good uh that i wouldn't want to spoil uh because they are just so good but um I'm glad they're seeing success with this game. You know, it's a, it's a $50 game and it feels really like worthy of being a $50 game. Uh, and, and I would say that like Remnant 2 is the equivalent of like Assassin's Creed 2 as the first one was to the first Assassin's Creed, which is that after playing Remnant 2, the first game feels like a proof of concept. And this one feels like this is where they've nailed it. Yeah, that's excellent. I got to play that more. Yeah, right on. So what games have you been gaming? I have been playing Diablo. There's the new season. Um, the, yes. uh, uh, the new season came out, and I think that there's the, this is the time where... Uh, uh, at, we talked about Diablo on the last podcast, and I think it was fair. Be, uh, be, I, I, was, I, I brought up the act man and that there was a lot of complaints, um, and there was, uh, you know, like, what, what were the things that it wasn't doing right? And I think that for... A game like Diablo, it's it's not entirely fair for someone to make like a, a a complete criticism of it, and and some of this is on Blizzard, right? Because that like they took a little, they took like a month or so to release the first act, but but it makes sense because you have to finish the story, and then that's when you get into this kind of like seasonal um, loop. Uh, after that like uh, you have to finish a story first to get to the season stuff and the season stuff is that um, there there's certain things that transfer over for, that are account wide that are stuff that you maybe would never want to do again which is like finding certain you know things hidden on the map or um, uh, discovering the map because there's like a fog of war um, but you don't have to do the story again um, and it's the seasonal the malignant I think it's got this uh, uh, like pustule where uh uh you know grow outgrowth tumor vibe now so it's kind of almost similar to tumor yeah it's like a very tumorous like i mean like it's like tumors growing in the ground um demonic tumors um and uh so we're getting a chance to finally see how uh diablo will play and what it's going to be like and there's some good and there's some bad um I would say so far, just like Path of Exile, there's like a kind of like a seasonal addition, um, like like things that the season is adding to the game that like I I suppose similarly to Path of Exile will probably like core elements of it might stay in the game forever or get changed, um, but th- like this is very reminiscent of some Path leagues. I'm sure you'll you'll remind me of what league this is like, but um, you can make a the main idea of it is that there is 
uh, monsters in the world that have this, like, malignant, that are, like, these, like, tumorous kind of, like, gross monsters, pustuli monsters, and killing them drops this, uh, you know, crafting material that lets you make these invokers, and when you make an invoker, you can go into the dungeon, uh, dungeons that are, like, specifically marked for this, and summon a boss that gives you, like, extra drops, and another element of it is that the jewelry, uh, that drops during this league has uh specific like it would normally have slot uh sockets for gems um in the game but now it has these like malignant heart sockets that do extra things um that kind of add like almost a unique element to the item um and you can find those too or craft those as well um so far though like that hasn't played like a huge as big of a maybe it's something that'll play you know increasingly bigger of a uh, uh, role in the game as I level up because usually like in Path it's something that uh, they'll have that seasonal mechanic and you encounter it throughout the game and you know it is a part of the game but it kind of gets to be you like more or less a bigger thing by the end of the game um, and yeah. and like becomes like a part of the end game by the end of the game um, so maybe that'll like increase that'll like the, the, the importance of it the things you can do or the elements of this seasonal stuff will increase and like become more interesting and more relevant um, at the end of the game. Right now, I'm, uh, I'm uh, level 35, I think. Necrom I'm playing Necromancer, which I don't love as much as I thought I would. Um, uh, and uh, I, I guess for the the way that the game is structured and plays in a seasonal... I, I give them props for the way that the game uh, plays in, in like this seasonal ca capacity, I think is, is really good. Um, so... I would say the major difference with how um, this works for, you know, outside players and someone who isn't really familiar with this is that for Path of Exile, when you're, um, which is still probably the best of these games, um, when you're making a new character for a season, you play through the campaign. Um, and it's something that you have to do every season and it's very frustrating and annoying and uh, Grinding Gear knows that and the fans know that, but they've just like mitigated this sour spot um as much as possible where you like you've been playing for so long so you know how to get through the campaign as quickly as possible you know like uh like i go here i do this i pick up the side quest i go here and do this so you kind of have this all kind of optimized and uh down pat uh quickly but whenever you're making a new character this is something you have to do um and diablo gets around this in a really cool way which was if you remember the game is open world and everything is scaled to your level um, and when you play a seasonal character, you don't, you can opt out of all the story content, all the story missions. So you end up kind of, it, it, it ends up being, weirdly enough, a sort of Breath of the Wild, um, this new age uh, open world content where you're kind of walking around the same way that you normally would. And you're encountering a town and you're getting the same side quests that you've done before. But you're kind of just doing whatever you want to do. Um, like so, so instead of path where your uh, path of exile, where you are playing through a linear campaign to get to the end game, um, in this game it's kind of you're in the open world of the of Diablo Four that you already played through and know, and just you're doing whatever you want to at the time. So it really it, like the the vibe of it, the feel of it is like there are certain seasonal things and areas that you should go do. Then there are like markers on your um, on your map 
where like certain zones will become like hot zones at a certain time where um, they'll give all these like little mini hot zone quests of like kill a hundred of these or or do a quest here or uh, uh, stop like a you know, like there's going to be like a monster invasion so kill like five waves of this monster and that will also give you rewards so you're kind of just like similar to the Diablo 4 gameplay but without the main story you're kind of traveling around and then you're seeing like oh there's an event over here there's a side quest over here there's a seasonal thing right here and it's, you know, you're just doing whatever you're seeing on your map a little bit more where you're just kind of moving around and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll go do this. I'll see. I'll do this little side quest or I'll, or I'll play a dungeon. I'm like right next to this or I'll do one of the cellars. So all those kind of elements that were open world elements are now just like, that's what you do. You just kind of just go around and you do like there's the main, like I said, there's the main seasonal quest that you should be having to complete. But then there's kind of breaks between that where they're saying like, no, you have to get further in the seasonal um, like, you know, pass to be able to continue along with this main quest. So you're just walking around doing whatever, you know, fa fancies or piques your interest at the time, which I think is a pretty good way of doing things, actually, versus like a linear thing of like, if, you're, if, if you want to go do a dungeon or something, you want to go do an event, like, it's whatever you're seeing that you want to go do. And, and I, and I kind of like that. Um, I kind of enjoy that. Have you played a little right. bit? Have you played a lot of this or? I have not. Yeah, I think I think that the the other thing is that uh, the the negative part about Diablo is that I think that the I, I I really super feel like having gotten that first character to end game and playing a second character now I really feel like the builds are boring as shit I I, I, I got to keep going back to that I I don't think that there is that as good build diversity as there there could be and especially when you look at the talent trees for the main core abilities that you're going to have. Like, sure, you can have gear that switches up what core abilities you're going to be kind of, like, using, but you, 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 there's not a lot of choice in them. And and even when there's things that are going to be trying to, like, switch up... Um, like, like you, you played Mage, right? And um, you were saying how, in the beginning, the game kind of is forcing you to be, like... All, you just pick all the fire abilities. But then at some point, you go to, you know, these sub-things where, instead of it being just all fire, it's like there's invoking fire abilities and there's invoking ice abilities. And there is these kind of, like, sub-builds, but it's just, like, the builds kind of just, like, jump out at you a little bit more than normal. And there's just... The talent tree is very very linear and it's it, it's hard for me to not look at it and just be like especially because it's funny the, to call it a tree even it's 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 right? it's super linear and here's the other thing about this and and like I, i'm gonna say this is like a weird negative and it, it my experience with both rogue and necromancer rogue was really hard by the way and then playing necromancer is like i'm just sleepwalking through everything my monsters basically my minions, minions do everything but but in the beginning of the game you know, respects are pretty cheap and, you know, you're going for a little while and then you find a new ability that you're kind of interested in. So then you, you, you rework your, your, your abilities around it. And the game is just forcing you into, if you, if you find a thing that's like a shadow bomb, then, and you're like, I want to use this ability, then you're basically going to go through the talent tree and just like pick the things that are like, here's the extra shadow damage. Here's the shadow core skill. Here's the shadow, you know, research generator. So you're doing that. So by, you know, five, by like 10 hours in on a character, I've probably switched around and played with every skill. And at that point, 
there's nothing like sure the builds can get a little bit different or sure I can get a unique ability a unique item that changes it but this core of Diablo 4 is just boring I just compared to Diablo 3 with the rune system the way that you would you could pick you know, like a rune that would just drastically like you remember how it worked is like there were more regular abilities and the game wasn't like forcing you into builds the way that Diablo 4 is where it's like you're basically going to get ability 1 2 3 4 5 like you're just going to we're just going to give them to you in order and then you're just going to like pick them and slot them in um and the 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 way that the talent tree you know changes these it changes them in really boring ways in like generic ways of like it does more damage or your shadow your shadow abilities now imply like apply vulnerable and like we've talked about these kind of things before that's just stats like that doesn't really change anything but with diablo 3 there was this rune system and like even later way later into the game you know you'll get like a meteor ability on wizard and then late into the game like like every two you know abilities in every level or so they're giving you new runes that modify abilities and change them completely so that they they look completely differently. So instead of so like you, you go back to the way that I, like like these work and that and that in in Diablo three and Diablo three might have like an ice build, but then there's meteor and then there's ice version of meteor and then there's like you know there's multi meteor and then there's fire version. Of, so so there's tons of there's t there's multi meteor. So there's tons of skills. And there's tons of these runes that completely change, like, the look of the skill, the way you're using the skill, sometimes, like, the damage of the skill, the sc the stats of the skill, what the, how the skill is, like, modifiers, how, what the skill is doing on the screen, like, it's, like, you change it to ice meteor, so now it's freezing enemies. So, everything, like, uh, even as you're playing the game, there's still new, fun, cool abilities to look forward to, and I feel like I have nothing to look forward to in Diablo. Once you hit, like, I think it's, like, level... I think it's level 30, right? Is you get your your um, access to the last part portion of the skill tree where you get your like ultimate ability. Once you've gotten the ultimate ability, you, you I, I have not felt like there's anything to look forward to ever again after that. Because then after that, we're just talking about like builds and statistics and we're talking about like, you know, stuff like that. We're, we're not talking about finding... A, 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 we're not talking about getting a rune that's going to completely change and alter every single thing about the way that one of my skills works. And there's just so few skills. It's it's really boring. And and like it, with how boring the skills are compared to um, the amount of classes in the game, I feel like if this game had like 10 classes and had this many skills, I, I could give it a pass of like there's a couple different builds for every character that kind of jumps out right away, but there's like 10 different classes. So like, it really feels like that's enough sure. variety, but when you have like, and, 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 you know, also I'm like sick of these fucking starting Diablo classes. Can we stop the barbarian shit? Get barbarian out of there. Like get rogue out of there. Like I'm sick of these classes. Like these are like really druid. Like th these have been classes that have been in Diablo one and two and like three and with like wizard sorcerer. Like they, they they're kind of just doing the same classes over and over again. It, you know, Diablo Immortal, which sucks, has a, a blood rune knight. And, like, at least, like, a blood knight is, like, that's at least something that's, like, fresh. That's, like, what is this? Like, what is... So it's, like, it. it's a class that, like, hurt, has that, like, hurt heal vampiric, um, uh, uh, you know, abilities. And, at, and, like, I really wish Diablo 4 
it's so it is like we talked about this before it's such a safe game it feels like there's no one with creativity at blizzard and that if they're like any people uh, that were leading this project were like you really have to we have to have a win here and we're afraid of doing anything different or feeling different so we're just going to really try as hard as possible to appeal to fans nostalgia and like whenever you heard interviews it's like we're going for something a little bit darker than diablo 3 so we're going for diablo 2 because that was when you know blizzard had some credibility back then and it just feels like that game is just like you know we're trying to do diablo 2 so it's those those comfortable diablo 2 classes of druid necromancer barbarian uh rogue like they're doing that kind of stuff again and it's just like there's just it's like why this game really needed for me this game needed to launch with like classes that i would maybe be a little bit more unfamiliar with like what if we what if instead it was it it, it dropped with straight up weird ass classes um uh that were that were a little bit out there a little bit crazier like that that we see in um uh some of these other like games like it's just like it's so safe and i'm and i'm kind of like i'm i'm still hoping that like i i think maybe i'm getting to the point where I'm done because I'm I'm just not finding anything that's interesting anymore. I'm just not the 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 build I I I think the builds are boring as shit and um I I just don't when Paragon is fucking boring. I don't understand why that was a concept like when you get to 50 you get this boring ass skill tree that is like plus 2 to intellect plus 2 to agility. It is the most boring looking thing. And I really wish that there were like that Diablo 3 runes that are like, it's changing everything. It's like a completely different skill. Like these skills are boring. They're really boring. And and because the skill thing is, like I said, because the skill thing, the skill respec is so cheap. And because you get your all of your access to skills by level 30, which is fairly early on, you kind of have seen everything at some point. And now you're just going to keep playing the game and getting like, you know, upgrades to make the numbers bigger. Um, there was a recently a big, huge thing where, where, like, I think I get credit for this on the predictions podcast, but there was this huge outcry where they nerfed, uh, uh, vulnerability and crit damage because it was just like out of control and because it made the game, um, like basically like every build had to be the one build. There was like anything that had vulnerability, uh, on their, on the, the, uh, the, the talent tree, you had to just do that. So like for Necromancer, there's a lot of vulnerability in the shadow options. So like, you know, the, the, the best in slot, the perfect Necromancer build would just be like these shadow builds and stuff like that. So, um, because of that, uh, theory crafters kind of got the game nailed down in that first month to just being like, yeah, every single build is a vulnerability build and Blizzard had to nerf it because like, that's how things work. And, uh, the fans were like probably unreasonably upset with it because like, people are like, well, why didn't you bring up all the other builds? And it's like, well, this, you know, vulnerability, you, you, you mentioned to me before about it, like vulnerable, anything that like caused that, like any mechanic that is like, this is vulnerable, this, this, this ability, you know, causes an enemy to have vulnerability and vulnerability causes exponential more, more damage when the game is like the game is binary it's about making more damage it's not about anything else really like it's yeah it's about doing more damage so if you have an if you have something that applies vo- the vulnerability status and that does exponential more damage then like there yeah. you go essentially it like forces everybody to have a source of vulnerability otherwise you're not viable right because it's a multiplier uh so yeah, it's a, it's a, it was definitely an issue. Like it's a, they, they should have seen it coming before this game even came out that like vulnerability was going to be an issue. 
I don't really know how. Like, it, it almost yeah, feels right? sometimes with some of these design decisions that, like, the games are so big and the teams for games like this are so massive and people have all of these different perspectives that people definitely knew that this was going to be a problem, but not enough people agreed or understood. I feel like if you had one person from, like, that, that was like, you know, Blizzard is not new to ARPG, obviously, with Diablo. And I, I feel like if you had one person on the team that's like, you know, this vulnerability status is causing exponential more damage. Like, if, if people are messing around with different builds, wouldn't there just be a point where they're like, you know, you, you need to have this because it's applying a debuff that causes exponential more damage like if you're if the i since the game is so binary it's like people are just gonna like have be forced into these types of builds like i i don't understand why it took like like how does it take you know a month this game has been worked on for years and it takes the community like weeks to break the game and find that there's like one viable build for every class i just don't understand that yeah and you know it's hard not to look at diablo 4 and then to look at path of exile 2 which we got a ton of information on uh because exile con was this last week uh and just like it's weird because the the people who are speaking at exile con the representatives from path of exile 2 are all game developers which means that during Q&A sessions and everything, the, the people who are answering the questions are the people who built the game. They're not like um, community managers or like salespeople, right? They're like people who built the games. And, and as a result of that, uh, you get really good answers and really good justifications uh, for everything that they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so one of the core concepts in... in um, in, in Path of Exile 2, and this was a this was a core conceit in Path of Exile, is that they don't want cooldowns. Um, and the other thing that they don't want is they don't want because uh, cooldown resource, reduction is too powerful or something. And they don't want resource generator. And the reason for that is because once you have, uh, and, and you know, I don't know if they're just like taking a, a jab at Diablo or if it's it's really just like this simple, but their idea is that like as soon as you introduce cooldowns. And you introduce like uh, resource generators and resource spenders, then you just have a rotation where you're using the the cooldowns always at these moments, and you're always just using your resource generator, and then you're using your resource spender until you're out, then using your generator, and uh, they, they felt like that was kind of bad game design because that leads every build to kind of feeling the same. Yeah where you just learn your rotation and you play it. Yeah, Path also but, used to have the problem where, like, and I feel like Diablo tries to get around this, or does a good job, actually, of getting around this, where in Path, like, you have that one skill, and then anything else you're going to have is, like, an aura or a pet or something that is modifying your damage for that skill. Yeah, and that's so that's the other thing that they're trying to solve in Path of Exile 2. Um, and they're doing it in a couple of different ways. Uh, ultimately, the the core like design philosophy of Path of Exile 2 is almost building it to play like a fighting game where the goal of it is your abilities are there to manage different types of combat situations. 
where you're going to be using different moves yeah, based on what the I mean, current combat I guess they, situation they, they kind of tried to do that right with the base game because there's like you know there's like a movement ability there's like um defensive abilities so i guess like you're saying is that it'll be more about like how which movement ability you're going to have you're going to have a dash you're going to have a teleport or you're going to have a slide or you're going to like do that or like what's your defensive option you're going to have you're going to have like stone skin or you're going to have like a bulwark or you're going to have a shield or you like what are you going to yeah, so this will be interesting to you. No movement abilities anymore. No movement abilities. Why? Because no that movement was, abilities. Because that caused the other problem of like, if you could have movement abilities, well, then like every like whatever the fastest one is the best in slot for every yeah. class, no matter what. Yep. And uh, I think they might also be taking out quicksilver flasks, which are the flasks that just make you move quickly. Mm-hmm. What what they're trying to do with Path of Exile too is they're making it so that. If there's anything that was like a guaranteed need to have it in Path of Exile 1, it's not in Path of Exile. That's so smart, right? To j- just take the comfortability away because I, I agree with you. Like it's, it's like there's the, the, it's hard to have foresight on certain elements. And like, you know, Path of Exile has been around for so long so that they've seen these issues. But like a lot of these things that you're talking about just it's like we've had enough time with ARPGs to know that they're problems. Um, that that uh, whenever you like you have these certain things, like if you, if when if you have an aura that is like does ten percent more damage, then like it's going to be optimal for everyone because like you you're only going to have so much spaces, and then you're just going to be like focusing on one ability. And if you have an aura just like blankly does ten percent more damage, it's like yeah, just you you have that. You just have that all the time. Yeah. Like, so 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 let me tell you a, a couple of other things about it. So you had mentioned about um, wanting wanting more classes out of Diablo. Uh, they've doubled the amount of classes in Path of Exile two. So Path of Exile one had six classes. Uh, with three subclasses each, so 18. And in this one, uh, we're getting 12 starting classes with three yeah, each, but so what, there's going to be 36. My question would be that how, what is the relevance of that? Because with Path of Exile, typically the classes don't really feel or do anything different that much. Like, you start on the sphere grid on a certain node, and anyone can reach that node as well. And the the thing that makes you... Um, unique or makes you have abilities is the gems, which anyone can use. It's just the gems are like the skill gems. I mean, yeah, I totally get where you're... And I don't know the answer to this yet, but I know there's a druid class. And the druid class is the one that transforms. So we're going to have to see what that looks like, right? Because if there's a class that's like, this is the class that transforms into a bear, then then what does that mean for the ability of these other classes? Sure. Right. Yeah, I would really like... Path of Exile to have something. It'd be cool if um, to keep the 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 gems is like there. That is an element of it, but that there are like core skills that are only so that class. They, I I don't know if that's the case. They they made it hard to like totally grok what everything is because Path of Exile two is and so maybe people who are playing demos maybe there's like information that I could look up. But this is a game that's been in development at this point for like. I don't know, like five or six years, and they're still a year out from launching it. It's so a the game scary. is going to come surprised. out. I mean, they're, they're doing their best, and it's a great company, and that they're probably trying to make it just perfect for on release and make it... Like, I'm sure that they want to lay the groundwork to make massive. it... It is massive. Also, they have like 250 employees dedicated to just this game. Yeah. So not even like Path of Exile 1, just Path of Exile 2. Wow. So, so they want to nail it so hard. 
Yeah, and they uh, got to because it's going to be like similar to Path of Exile One. It's like that's their only game, that's their bread and butter, and it's like Path of Exile Two will be around for like a decade plus or whatever. And uh, and they're still going to be working on Path of Exile One. They they announced that they're going to have separate leagues, uh, and that they're going to be staggering league releases. So um, uh, halfway through a Path of Exile Two season, a Path of Exile One season is going to launch. Uh, and they these games have different design philosophies where Path of Exile 1 is a lot faster and a lot more insane. Whereas Path of Exile 2 uh, seems like it's like a more challenging... Uh, I wonder if game. it'll be like more on... I, like I, I was talking about how Diablo 4 had this very different vibe for an ARPG in the mm-hmm. beginning of the game where it's very small packs of enemies and the... Uh, like abilities and cooldowns are like at least for i was playing rogue the first time i played and it would be like kind of small packs of enemies and a lot of abilities that rogue have are like single target so it felt a little bit more like a an rpg right where instead of just big aoe's and just killing enemies and numbers it's like i'm trying to like maneuver and position around an enemy that is like hitting me for a quarter of my health and i'm trying to like more be careful and safe and dodge things and get out of the way of big telegraphs and stuff like that. And, uh, as you get later in the game, it just, it just reverts into that classic ARPG, just big, huge waves of enemies and big, huge numbers and like stuff like that. So I wonder if path is like trying, uh, path two is trying to be more that it's trying to be more like smaller packs of enemies. Um, enemies have more unique abilities that you're going to have to like actually think about and, actually like you know have answers to rather than just like oh there's 15 enemies here but i don't think about what the enemies are because i just like teleport in and then do an aoe and they all explode and like i would yeah we'll see the enemies are just a pallet swap they're basically just like a a node that i explode so let me tell you something else that's fucking wild about this game uh and and Aside from the way that it looks, the other thing that I want to say is that this game looks amazing. Uh, the animations look incredible. Uh, if you haven't seen like the trailer, definitely recommend it. So one of the things that they're also doing that they're trying to prevent is like the one button gameplay style of like you I have this about that, right? skill tree. You... Yeah, you have this passive skill tree where everything is based around like you put all of your skills into frost damage and then this thing, and then you have your six link. Uh, that's set up to your one big frost skill and you just press it over and over. Uh, and, and that's another thing that they're working on changing where in Path of Exile 2, uh, you carry two weapons with you, just like in Path of Exile 1, but each of them has uh, different skill trees. Not completely different, uh, but but they're, they're going to be set up in such a way that you can slightly modify the skill tree on each of them and then you can assign your abilities to the different weapons, which means that if you want to go for a build that uses like, like ice and lightning, then you can have like an ice weapon and a lightning weapon with different skill trees. And when you cast your lightning ability, your character will pull the lightning weapon off of their back to cast it. That's really uh, cool. And, and that is also just going to help with the way that like uh, combat diversity is, right? Yeah, I trust, the, I trust them much more than I would trust Blizzard, right? It's... I. I'm so the thing that is also nuts about this is like at first I was uh, 
a little annoyed at the idea of this game coming out uh, June of next year. Especially because but you you really were expecting with D- with Diablo so and it's been so long. It's been you were so thinking long. that it was going to be like a surprise like it is at, it's under your chair right now. If, if the game came out it would be fucking wild. Like there's so much shit going on. Also you know that like all of Grinding Gear Games right now is playing Baldur's Gate 3. There would be no time for maintenance, right, if this game came out right now. Uh, because right now, like, the deluge of games is fucking crazy. Like, it is absolutely insane. No like, better Starfield, time! Starfield is out in a month. Like, whether you love or hate Bethesda, it's going to be uh, one of the biggest game launches uh, in recent history, which is funny to say in a year that Baldur's Gate came out and... Uh, Tears of the Kingdom came out, but Skyrim, like there was like when Skyrim came out, when Fallout 4 came out, like these were like landmark releases. Everybody was talking about them. And, you know, we're getting another one of those next month. Uh, So I can totally understand not wanting to launch a game right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that's like Diablo 4. That's uh, Path of Exile 2. I've been playing another game. Uh, This is a Steam Deck game that I've been playing uh, called Dave the Diver. Tell a me. lot of people are talking about this game. Have you seen this game? Have you heard yeah, of this I thought game? It, I thought it, when did it come out? Did it, did it recently come out? Uh, it I... came out uh, about a month ago. Okay. At the end of, at the late June, June 28th. So this is a uh, roguelite game uh, where you are a diver who explores the ocean in the day, picking up, catching fish, uh, upgrading your gear so that you could dive deeper, upgrading your harpoon gun so that you could... Uh, face off and capture bigger fish and by night it's a restaurant management sim uh, where you're cooking up these fish and serving them uh, and it's it, it is really fun to do both of these things I feel like either half of these this game could be a game in and of itself so the fact that they're kind of mixing these two things together and, and it's working out uh, it's pretty good so far I've only played uh, maybe around an hour and a half of it, but I've been impressed so far. Now it has does Cthulhu like, appear? I feel like maybe, yes. Yeah, like he gotta. That's, at how, one it, that's point, how it be. At one point, there is like this artifact that you pick up and then like but like what you thought were rocks behind you open up and it's like a giant eyeball. So I feel like, yeah. And they're like, whoops. Yeah, it, there might be Whoops, some, it's like, a game that takes place in the ocean. We gotta do uh, Eldritch Horror. Gotta make it creepy. Gotta, uh, gotta make it creepy. It's great. Uh, I've been digging it so far. Great Steam Deck game. Great summer game. So if you're looking for one of those roguelike games with like a lot of uh, progression and some uh, dungeon diving, check it out. Um, what else? What have I been doing? Um, I mean, there's the Honkai's. Uh, uh, I would say one one thing of the regular things I talk about is that uh, Valorant. Um, got an update where there's a new mode, and I would say it's like the biggest um, addition to the game that's ever happened. The best, the best like a side mode. The, the community is the most excited about. It's a team deathmatch, um, and the big difference with uh, like people have been wanting this kind of like faster, more uptime mode where you don't um, stay dead. You know, like because that that I think that's a big. Uh, with, with the, these, like, tack shooter games like Valorant or CSGO, um, when you die, you spend a lot of time not playing the game. And um, you can maybe, like, start off a round, you know, and just get killed in the beginning of it and then wait for a couple minutes before the re- the next round is 
is is beginning again and you get you get a chance to play the game again and then maybe you only have another split second to play before someone you know runs around a corner and shoots you in the head so um people want like a mode where there's more uptime there's more time for you to just like actually be shooting and uh deathmatch wasn't it like it wasn't a good practice mode because there's just the the the, the maps that they have in the game weren't really built for deathmatch there's all these problems um with just get people spawning in behind you and shooting you um and then also people are like running around and uh, some people are hiding behind corners and like you know it, it's there's a lot of issues with that mode and people have complained about it so team deathmatch it, it's really cool it's re it really works in a good way where it's three unique maps that they made spe uh, specifically for this i just had a problem saying that saying specifically like 30 minutes ago um hmm. uh i'm getting i'm getting more tongue-tied um it's it's maps made specifically for this mode and you the enemies there's the spawns are on either side of the map which really is great because that means that there's a clear you know like uh, uh, just like most, you know, a lot of shooter games that do this, like you're spawning in one side of the map. So like walking forward is like, you're going to meet the enemy eventually. Um, and I like that instead of enemy just spawning in behind you, um, the game is, uh, like you, you, you immediately spawn after dying. And then as the match goes on, um, you get access to better guns. So like in the, before it, it works out where it's like, for the before the first 20 kills um you have a choice between like for example i think it's a ghost with no armor a frenzy with armor or a classic with armor um and you're picking that and then it goes to like submachine guns after that and then uh goes to like uh machine like um you know assault rifles after that so so as you're playing the game um and the, your team is getting more kills you're getting access to new weapons um, and it, it's definitely the best mode for, like, just logging in and, and warming up or having a lot of, like, uptime to practice your shooting. And and that, I think, is is uh, is really commendable. Like, good job on them for finally adding, like, a mode that people are, that the community is really happy with. It's a, a good warm-up mode that's, a good that's like, probably the best practice mode in the game for practicing your 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 actual like pvp and aiming skills so so that's good and and a lot of work went into and it you you get to use character abilities yeah you get character abilities and they're on um cooldowns um rather than being uh you don't buy them in anything in this mode um the the abilities uh cool down and then the guns like i said there's no economy um the guns are based on you make a choice about what loadout you want before you leave the starting zone every single time you die um so whenever you're you're dead you get to like repick whatever guns and like i said you get access to new builds as the round is going on um so like like i said like uh, and then and then they also do the um uh deathmatch the team deathmatch thing where there are spawns on the map for certain guns so like there's an op that will spawn in the middle of the map um uh, the sides of the map will spawn like the um bucky like shotguns uh judges um uh will spawn on, like the sides of the map um, i like that stuff so so like there's there are areas to fight over because like you know if you if you go to the sides of the map you can maybe pick up a uh shotgun and then hold close angles and stuff like that so so there's all that um the the the, the abilities are there and they're on cooldowns it's it's a really fantastic mode like i, I the, the the thing that i would the, the the negative that i would say about it is that like i wanted this mode two years ago or three years ago you know like the like the, this mode would have been 
a fantastic addition earlier on in Valorant's life. I think for people like you, especially like like someone who's like fallen off and is like not quite as interested in it. Like I, I don't know if this is the well, mode. Well, that's just because the drip is too slow. In that it is game. slow. It is slow. It's slow so... and it's very safe. And 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 it's weird because Valorant is is doing very well for for Riot. And I'm seeing all this Project L stuff. Is you know like like right now is where where Evo is going on right now. The fighting games are big, and we're finally seeing some more Project L stuff. And Project L visually looks phenomenal. It keeps looking better and better. And the team working on it really cares for it. But my, the old thing I would have said is like the way that Riot treats League. You know, they're they're obviously their their beginner, their flagship, their 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 the game that made them them is that there is phenomenal um, uh, support for League, and uh, you know it used to be that there was about a character a month, um, and you get like major patches every two weeks or so, and um, and then you get big seasonal rollouts where the seasons would be like usually massive overhauls to something we completely changed the jungle we completely changed how items work we added a new way that items work or it's a new stat or or we changed the way that roles work and roles have access to so so they 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 have like all these like major major changes and um it's always a good time to be a league player and valorant just like it's always felt like a uh, a step sibling kind of where a redheaded stepchild where it's doing it's doing well for them and it's got a great um uh esports scene and it has great twitch numbers and it's still like it's it's very much in the consciousness i think it's a big you know streamer game and it's a big pro, uh, professional game and, every, and everything and i and a lot of people are still playing it and buying things but like you said you, you like the content thing is kind of slow it's like i'm surprised we don't just get like especially because the way that the game was kind of sold to us was that the was that the season the short thing i forget it's like there's acts versus um like chapters or whatever and like the 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 month-long content you th- you would think like oh this is where they add the character or, or at a map or something small and do some tweaks and then the acts were going to be the big huge or whatever it is like the big seasonal changes where they were gonna you know like we changed so many things we add we changed like the balance of the game and we changed we added a bunch of new things and we changed like the economy or we add we took out a gun we added a new gun we changed the way things and like it just doesn't happen you know like there's there is like never any updates anymore uh like an update for valorant is always like it's a new character it's a new map or it's I guess they're maybe they're just happy with where it is. I don't know. I guess so. I mean because like in the beginning I think that there were a lot more issues that they had to like squash out in the beginning with oh people found out that the best way to play the game is actually like frenzy run and gun or something or the op is too out of control and people are like strafing and running around corners with the op and that like after the growing pains of that, they there were so many change. There was more changes in the beginning to make sure that everything was working out. And now, for the last like year or so, I feel like it's a little bit more of a maintenance mode on those kind yeah. of things, where where you do get new characters and maps, but a a a a, a patch for Valorant looks it, it literally is stuff like we made uh you know Killjoy's turret cost 100 less. Yeah, I need I need those changes. That's why I mean like League of Legends, you know, every 2 weeks patch. Uh Marvel Snap every like every 3 out of 4 weeks patch. 
right? Big, big changes. Love yeah. it. I, I got to have that, that variety. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I agree with you. It's just, it's just really weird how, like, I, I guess it is a similar thing of, like, the game could maybe not be for, uh, for, for you or for us maybe where, um, they, they're just like, we, cause, cause, cause CSGO does this too. Like, tax shooters are so insanely skill intensive. So I guess maybe from, like, a developer standpoint and, and from a player standpoint too, Riot would feel like, and the and the, the 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 community at large would feel like, you know, the more that they play on a patch, the more that they get comfortable with the feelings of certain things, and they're like, you know, oh, the balance feels good, the the character variety feels good, the economy and everything, the prices of guns, the overall like, you know, uh, uh, balance of each gun, everything feels really nice on this patch, and it's like, why would Riot like, they don't have like a big incentive anymore to say like. Oh, we added a new gun, or or we just decided to make this gun cost like five hundred less. Just see what's gonna happen. Because like, why would they? You know, like at some point, it's like, why would they do that? Like they've been they've been working on it for I think we're like in our fourth year of Valorant, and they've like nailed down how the prices of things flow and and what guns should be worth and how all these systems work. And and it's like, yeah, like why would they? They don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. It's like, why would they? They don't. They it, it makes sense that they wouldn't want to create a patch that is just like, hey, we just change everything. It's fucking crazy out there because the fan base is like gotten used to the way that things are. But, you know, it's a whole different thing is like and then if and then there's no excuse for the other thing of like then just why is there not like a better release date for like more interesting characters or more wild kits, you know, like like there should be some crazier characters. Why isn't there a um, like a Zato or like a pet character more um, that like has maybe like because they have like they 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 almost pseudo do, pseudo did that with gecko but like I, I i kind of am ready to see some more like out there wild kits rather than like like you know variations on these things like flashes or smokes you know yeah um so we've been playing a lot of the fighting games as we do and it is evo weekend i've been loving this evo um i, I would say the big thing for for evo 2023 is that um uh J japan is back they are here um which i think feels really good as like a long time as like a 08 er fighting game fan it feels good that japan is back because um in the past couple of years evo has been a, a, a little weird because international competition has been kind of keeping where they are so there's a japanese evo and there's an american evo and it used to be that the american evo is so big that it's like it is the world's uh, cup kind of where the Japanese people and uh, you know Europeans and everyone would kind of come over and and fight and uh, in the last couple years like COVID you know made it so that that couldn't be a reality but then even after COVID it was like you know people just weren't traveling um, anymore like I guess like the prices of traveling was too much and everything and this year actually like um, everyone is just like so in, I think enamored with Street Fighter 6 like out across the board, uh, uh, like Tekken players, Street Fight, uh, uh, Smash players, um, Guilty Gear players, like so many people are playing Street Fighter Six. It is the um, best-selling Street Fighter of all time. Um, in one month, uh, Street Fighter Six sold more than the entire lifespan of Street Fighter Four and all of its uh, iterations. Did you know that? No, that's a big. That's a big number. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, uh, and how do you feel about it? How do I feel about Street Fighter or how do you feel about... Uh, Street Fighter 6. Um, overall, I feel pretty good 
Um, I have some complaints um, that are like kind of minor. You know, I, I, like to to like uh, zero in on like how I'm feeling after like 150 hours of it. Um, uh, a lot of the stuff that I thought was like kind of scrubbier in the beginning, I'm getting used to finally, and. I, I really do feel like people will look back in time at, at Street Fighter VI as the hardest fighting game uh, to play, as one of the hardest fighting games ever to play. Um, a lot of people hold up, like, Third Strike as a really hard fighting game because the combos are... There's a lot of, like, tight one-frame links mm -hmm. in that game, and um, the, the meta for it is insane with, like, you just have to know, like... Like, the game, like, requires a lot of knowledge at this point where, you know, if someone throws out a super, you need to know parry timing on it and all this, like, kind of, like, insane arcane knowledge. And Street Fighter Six is gonna get there. It's gonna, it's like, it already is. It's the, the amount of options that you have to look for at, like, especially defensively, like, you, you have to look for people drive rushing across the whole screen and going low or grabbing. You have to look for... Um, uh, DI, which is like around, I, I, I said, I've said this on the podcast, but I think it's like around 23 frames, which is like just outside, uh, just barely past the window of human, generally human reactability. Um, but, but when you like pile on all these things, like jumping, jumping is strong. Um, uh, a lot of the tools in street fighter six are like, you know, Dalsum can just teleport behind you in 20 frames. So you know, like, you, you can barely react to this, but you have to be ready for it. So, like, you're having to, like, look out for all these things. You have to really know these the characters and stuff. And um, the combo the combos are very expressive. So there's so much to like about Street Fighter VI. Um, I would still say that, like, I don't know if there's a character that is 100% me um, in this starting roster. Uh, we finally got, we got our first DLC character, um, Rashid, who I think was a really good pick. And He's cool. Uh, got a lot of changes from from five. Um, he is like his whole thing, I guess, is like he's got like insane air mobility and mobility in general, which is really neat. A lot of people will like end up liking him. Um, uh, so far, so 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 far into Street Fighter, I'm liking it. The one thing that I'm really like afraid of, and it's like a really dark and scary thought to me, is that there are some kind of minor, minor issues at Street Fighter VI. And when you see that in a game like this that is, like, going to be around for, a, for like, six years, like, to ten, six to ten years, might be around for, like, a decade, because um, Street Fighter V was, um, you get kind of, like, scared that um, when you hear stuff like there's all these issues with the inputs, right? Um, or, you, or like, they're, like, the net code is, like, it's good. It's better than we've had in the past, but like I think it could still be a little bit better. Um, but especially stuff like the inputs of like, like a a lot of people, inc including pros, including everyone, is complaining about a lot of weird ways that Street Fighter Six reads your inputs, and that is really scary to me because is that something that is like so core to the game that they can't possibly uh, fix it? And if so, does that mean that, like, in 10 years, we're still going to say, like, oh, they missed an input or, like, oh, a jump came out instead of a forward button because there's, like, weird readability sometimes? Like, people are, even pros are saying, like, every once in a while, like, if they play a big session, they still just notice weird times where they're trying to do a combo and do, like, a 
you know, dash, uh, a, a parry dash cancel, and they're getting, like, a big, just, like, a jump or something, like, a raw jump, and, 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 and they're not getting their moves out or something, or um, I'm having issues with, like, the buffer window is weird, so usually there's, like, a buffer window where when you're knocked down, you can just, like, mash on uh, a reversal, and then because of a buffer window, the game will make it so that it knows you're trying to do the reversal, so that the first frame that you're waking up, you, you wake up with the can rather than having to exactly time it, because that's, like, it's, like, impossible. Like, it's, like, this, you, you can't time it with the, the it's, it, you can't consistently time it with the literal frame that you're waking up. Like, the game just has to have these things, like, buffer windows, and, like, a lot of these stuff feels inconsistent, and, um, uh, I played, uh, I've been having, you know, good sets, and I feel like I'm getting better, but I guess I would end this Street Fighter talk with, like, I played a big, huge set with a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Galloway, and I played a big, huge set with you, and both sets, I felt like I was getting better, and I was improving, or actually, it was a really short set with you, by the way, it was, it was like a three, it was like a four-game set, um, and both sets, I felt like my, you know, Dalsim is improving, and I'm happy with it, and I'm getting better, but during both those sets, um, Galloway and you said, I'm not losing to you, I'm losing to the game. Because I'm trying to do this, and this thing is not coming out. And that, while, like, like you know, you guys are right to say that. Like, and, and, and pros are saying that this is a problem. And, and furthermore, when you don't trust the game, then it, it causes a systemic issue where now you never know. So... You might be making, like, when, when, when you were playing the other day, maybe you're just a little out of practice and you were making problems, but I, and, and you were causing, you were having, like, human error and it was actually just, like, user error inputs, but I, I can't tell you that it wasn't because this is a real thing that's happening to pros. And because it's, because that's happening, you can never trust it anymore. So now, so now, like, like, you, every, every you can, like, use that excuse of, like, and I'm not saying that you're using this excuse, but but it is like a, a legitimate excuse when you make when an, when an, when an error happens or a combo gets dropped that it's like was it me or was it the game and like do you feel like you're losing to user error or was it like a weird input read or something or like did the game make a mistake and like the second you have that un that 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 trust gone then, like, now, th th like, as as someone who's, like, maybe winning rap matches or something, and you're hearing, like, oh, I'm losing, to, like, I'm not losing to you, I'm losing to, like, the game, because I'm trying to do this, and I'm, like, getting the wrong input, or, like, the wrong um, uh, normal is coming out, or something, is, like, that sucks. Like, it sucks for everybody. It, it sucks. sucks for the... It sucks for yeah, the per sure. it sucks for the person winning who's like who's like you're not you you're not losing. But I haven't. The other thing is though we've we played a little bit, uh, you know, locally, and I've played some like locally, you know, by myself also, and this seems mostly like an online issue. Well, I mean, the the input thing is not an online issue only. There is problems with online, I think. But the and and I, I if I was going to say that anything is a problem in online is that rollback. I've been saying this for years. I, I yes, rollback is better than delay based by a big margin, but rollback also tricks you into making it look like it's better when I think that there are certain things going on in like you know tight windows that might. They're trying to make it look real. They're trying to make it look real, right? And I, I think that like you you just have that thing where 
um, when, when something is in the frame, when something, it, 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 even if you have, if you have rollback, it, you still have that time where someone DIs and it appears on your screen, your screen, a couple, you know, two frames late. Right. But when we're talking about the, the, the window of human reactability and when we're talking about like fighting games, that two frames is like two out of 20 frames. It's like, we are that really matters so so like you when we when i went to pittsburgh you were like oh i'm i'm having no problems hitting di uh, uh reversing di like di just like is extremely reversible and that online it's harder to do so so like okay so then that's true but now you have the problem of like so is like how real is online right it's like like you still haven't made it so that online is as real as it needs to be they're trying like it is it is fake they are making it fake where where if if the game isn't showing you di on the first couple frames it's it's like it's showing you two even two frames too late like that is the window in which you needed to hit the di so um so like i'm having these kind of like minor complaints and it's just like i wish that it just scares me because it, it if i'm hearing in month two from both of my friends as i'm playing a set with them I'm not losing to you, I'm losing to the game, then regardless of the truth of that, uh, then that is that sucks for, for both people, and I don't want to hear that for 10 years. Absolutely not. Like, I, I cannot imagine how much that would suck if in 10 years, it's like, you know, we're getting... We're getting a, this last patch to Street Fighter, and we're up to six before Street Fighter Seven comes out, and we want to play a little bit of Street Fighter Six. Of like, oh, you want to dip into Street Fighter Six a little bit before Street Fighter Seven comes out because I'm so excited for it. And then we're playing a set, and then people are like, yeah, like the inputs suck. I remember this. Like, what, this has always been a problem is that the input reading is bad, and I get I get errors. Like that sucks to think about. That sucks so much. Sure. Um, I played a little bit more of Tears of the Kingdom. And I got up to the the Zora domain, and I hope I'm back a little bit. And I think in my mind, I'm making the choice to drop Diablo. I think that, especially explaining the, what's the the problem with Diablo right now on the podcast, I, it, I really have the feeling that Diablo is actually not a good game, and it might be boring. Um, and that there is like the game completely lacks. Like a, like I'm starting to see that like you can do see everything with a character for the most part in the first like 10 hours and then after that you're just going to get like items that kind of synergize with those builds but like if nothing is going to change the entire way that like one of my abilities looks and i see all of the abilities in the first like 10 hours then i think that's pretty boring i think that's pretty bad did you get any uniques um on necromancer I or I mean on, at all. Or on I'm Rogue. guessing you never got any no. of them, right? Because they're not until World Tier Three or whatever. Okay. Yeah, but I'm. I mean, this also like the Act Man and the thing that I'm saying is that like Diablo Four compared to Diablo Three has uh, a pretty even with the open world and all with all that kind of stuff. I think build wise, you just like. You, you, you try everything out a little bit and then you find a build that you're like, this is comfortable and I like the way that this feels and you stop wanting to experiment and then you're not going to get anything new at the, a, after 30 and you have to play all the way up to like basically 50 just to like unlock Paragon points and then from that from that time on, uh, levels are, as, as you say, pretty boring because now you're just like, you have your, your, you have your ability sever and 
there's five ranks in it, and then I have rank one of it, and I have the ability, and now I'm going to put another rank into it, and it does 10% more damage, but that doesn't, like, that doesn't change the way that that ability works. Like, that's just, I'm just making the ability a little bit better, or I'm, like, raising a number. But, so that's not great. Um, I think that the, some of the systems of Diablo 4 are, like, uh, going to make it die really quickly. And I actually heard from a, for there was the Blizzard earning call that said that no one is spending, that even though Diablo 4... Uh, was their fastest selling game of all time that no one is buying any of this like cosmetic stuff and that it's not making money um, from the, uh, the the microtransaction uh, stuff. So I don't know. Um, I, I wonder. I, 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 so I, you got from Tears of Kingdom to that. So uh, I'm just jumping there... around with all my sure. my little things. I mean, I've been playing. Uh, Nikkei has their big Caesar, their big summer event in which they have released definitely the biggest boobs that we have gotten so far. So Nikkei fans are doing quite well for themselves, along with some of the darkest They're stories. eating well, you would <laughs> N- say. Nikkei fans eating well. In typical, I'm playing through the, the Nikkei um, uh, main storyline um, right now um, because there was like new new story content. And a uh, one of the, the Nikkei have this thing in them called like Nymph. And I, I forget what it stands for, but it, it uh, makes it so that they can be controlled by humans and also makes it so that they physically can't um, kill a human. It's like that that uh, Isaac Asimov kind of like law of robotics. Like they, a Nikkei can't um, uh, do anything to harm a human in their programming so that they can't point a gun at a human. But then there's like weird ways around it where if a Nikkei wants to kill a human, there's been ones that are like bloodthirsty enough that they find ways to like set up a thing where they're accidentally killing a human like they uh set up like a uh wall to ricochet off to like shoot a human um but anyway um so there so there's so uh there's this whole thing but they're kind of slaves in that way that they can't like they don't have like full free will and they're and i'm playing through the story where uh one of them uh uh, cr- like cause like every all the humans live in the ark. I've kind of explained like how this works. It's like humans live in the ark. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they caused the they bombed the ark where uh, which allowed these like the raptures, the main enemies, these like uh, kind of like mindless robots that are killing humans. Um, in and uh, then uh, sent a fake signal to all the humans went into shelters and they were like, oh, everything's safe, everything's going to be good. But then. Uh, they sent like a fake signal to the shelters to say that uh, uh, raptors had gotten to the shelters. The shelters aren't safe, and then all the humans kind of came out and then were killed by the the raptors. So it was like this huge event where tons of humans got killed, and like it was this very dark, dark story of uh, this 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 like rogue character. So that that they they continued. I think the writing like continues to impress. Um, Honkai here's like a here's like an interesting. Um, question that, like, I guess, like, that, like you're not going to be able to, like, answer this as, like, a question, but I think this is kind of, like, a weird, a, a thing worth mentioning or worth, like, at least thinking on because I've been thinking about it, but there was two months between um, the uh, release of Honkai Star Rail when you could finish all the kind of story stuff, and if you could have been insane and, like, finish it in the first couple days, um, but I didn't. It took me longer than that. And then the uh, new update for, like, where uh, new main story content um, and it, it, it dropped, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago between like our, our, this cast and the last cast. And, uh, it was, so it was really, really good and really, um, 
uh, curated and tons of cutscenes and really high production value and new areas and stuff like that, but it was around two hours. And I guess, like, the the thing that I've been thinking about in terms of, like, Honkai Star Rail right now is that would you have, like, the community was upset because it was so short, but it's that, that kind of, like, do you want it to be longer for no reason? Like, that's not sustainable. Like, like, do you want it to just be this, you know, a- that action-packed, that amazing two hours, but they artificially spread it out so that it took you a couple weeks to finish it or whatever? Like, they could have done that. Or, like, is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Like, part, part of me says, like, almost yes, because it's, like, you... It, it's weird as a fan to be waiting for two months and then get two hours of story um, and then be back to, like, the, okay, now we're on, now the game is on... Uh, like, and now I'm playing the game as, like, a maintenance thing. I'm just kind of logging in, doing my dailies, and then I'm out. Um, versus not seeing new content. Um, but you also don't want to have the other way around where they're just creating needlessly grindy content or they're just saying, like, you know, we came out with new new content and even though there's two hours worth of story, we split it up into, like, weeks worth of grinding, you know? And it, it's it, it further is that thing that I've been thinking a lot about where, like, do consumers know what they want, I guess, is, like... Do you want it to be? It's it's a difficult decision for it's a it's a difficult thing for for the fan base where it is frustrating to get two hours of story. But like, if you just want like time, do you want just time? Is it like just like oh, I wish you spread this two hours out over the course of weeks? Um, the same way that I've been thinking about the spotlight caches, where there was a Hoogland video to 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 finally finish jumping around and go to uh, uh, Snap. Uh, there was a Hoogland, a Jeff Hoogland video where he, he broke down like the way that spotlight caches actually work out um, money wise. And he said that uh, they, like I, I'm, I'm saying I'm not going to say specific numbers, but uh, in his video, he kind of broke it down to say um, uh, that spotlight caches are uh, in completely a better system than what we had before and that for moderate spenders you are doing a lot better and you're getting to play with the cards the new cards you're getting 85 percent of new releases and for um big spenders who want to have every single card it is much cheaper than it was pre uh prior um and uh i still feel like the community is like upset with spotlight caches and uh maybe some of that's just how bad the regular caches are like maybe they just need to be adjusted to feel a little bit better and it's just a feeling thing of like I think I've said this before, but people, they hate math. It, yeah. it is all feels, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it, you, oh, that or you need to replace that with something that that feel, that that, that does feel better. Um, and then there was the, re- and then recently, they, they I would say that this is a, a negative, this is a step back, is that they, um, hearing people's complaints about how bad the regular caches are, they added um, the tickets for Golden Conquest. Um, How is that a step back? Because uh, I don't even play that mode, so that's a completely useless open to but me. They, but they, they didn't. You didn't lose anything by them putting gold tickets in. But you realize, it, it, right? You're open. If are you open? You're still opening a. You're opening a cache, and you're getting gold tickets instead of. Yeah. So the way that they did it is they changed it so that instead of getting fifty collectors tokens. There's a 50% chance that you get 100 collector's tokens or you get a gold ticket. So it's not ever worse. Yeah. I don't I don't it's, want that. At... I mean, I, I I agree. So so yeah, like I, I like it is 
like I agree with you now, now the, it feels better to open the, the, the token, like the collectors or the, 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 you get, you get 10, a hundred tokens versus the 50 tokens. Um, but from, from some, for someone like me who like doesn't play conquest at all, um, uh, even though it's like better, it's still like, they're still not getting the feeling thing, right? I don't want to open a yeah, cash I mean, and get a, a just, ticket you, for a mode. I don't just play. convert that, uh, the, the gold tickets into medals though, right. By starting a conquest and then ending it. So if you don't play any conquest at all, then you're still converting the tickets into medals and you could use the medals to pick up gold or a variant or credits. I guess I should do that. I don't know. I don't like that mode that much. Oh, I, I like the mode. That feels like the actual game. How are you liking Snap overall right now? Great. Uh, it's it's snappy. You know, it's always interesting that... to see like some of the characters or some of the cards that like start to define the meta a little bit, and it's it's usually not the ones we ever think about. Um, just like any, just like a lot of games or card games, especially, it's kind of hard to like ever understand cards in a vacuum or understand them theoretically um you try and think about like oh in this scenario i would have wanted this card maybe this card's gonna be good and then like it doesn't work end up working out that way one of the bigger like you know like like uh kang obviously like we talked a lot about and i think like the jury is finally uh you know in on kang just being bad and like just really isn't in any meta cards in any in in any meta decks at all in like the you know six or seven or eight months or whatever that's been out but then there's cards people that are have so- been i mean people are playing uh kang in the the she the she not deck uh and and you know we saw some of that at conquerors and um the big event uh then there's cards that like i thought i would have thought would do a lot better like uh teenage uh What's her What's her name? Megasonic Teenage, Teenage Warhead. Teenage Warhead. My biggest six thousand token regret. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm surprised. Like, there's always cards like that where you're like, oh, this is a card that everyone's excited about that like Ben Brode says is great and that the community is saying is really it makes a lot of sense and you could see why you'd want her. And even when you read her card text right now, you're like, why isn't she good for um for a you know uh, Nimrod deck because Nimrod's popular again is like just these cards don't work out and it's like hard to understand. And then you have cards like Legion where uh, you read the Legion text and you're like, you know, like, why would there ever be a, a deck that wants this card? Like, like what? It's it's a fi- Legion came out. He's a five eight um, uh, on reveal change every loc mm-hmm. the other locations to be a copy of this location. And and even reading that like text, you think there's no deck that needs that or wants that. Right. Because you can't control the he he would be more like a card that like a tech card for um uh when there's a hot location and you want to turn it off or turn it on kind of but you and like that was i i think that most content creators kind of said that exact thing of like this is a card that um is very situational it's like not a deck card it's not a card that you'd run in most decks and if there's any use for him it would be so that like you know um you're playing a deck based around a hot location, like you're playing a deck based around bar with no name or something, and um, you have all these negative um, cards, and you want to win bar with no name or whatever, and you want to turn everything into bar with no name, um, and uh, he's going to help you do that. So he's kind of like a situational card that you put in for like hot locations, but he ended up just being that he's so strong, and that like you know that's a powerful stat line, and also the ability for you to decide that like. This location is working out for me because you know, like, uh, like my I have Luke uh, Cage and my opponent doesn't, and there's like sewer system or something, 
and just decide that, like, well, every every location's going to be sewer system. Or to deny a good location for your opponent or something. Like, he just has, like, a lot of control that I think people didn't quite expect. It's interesting to okay. see what card... It's always interesting to see, like, the way that... Um, Drew Barry, I like him a lot. Um, he's one of my favorite content creators. Um, he's not, like, the best player of Snap, but I think he just has, like, just one of those, like, good personalities. And uh, I think he's, like, one of the most interesting to watch. And he recently started doing, which is, like, something... I love this concept. He's been going over his past um, pre pre-reviews like previews for cards where he would rate them before they came out to say like you know give him a star rating and say like you know do, does he think it's a buy does he think it's a pass like where does he think this can be useful is this meta defining or anything like that and he's going back over um cards to look to see you know like what it was he right was he wrong and it's really interesting how often like i think there's been a lot of months where um like I've heard, like you read the card text and you look at like you know Hoogland stream or KM Best or, or Drew Barry or someone, and you see that they're saying like this card is crazy, it's going to change everything, and then the card comes out and they're they're not crazy at all. Or like or, uh, Jean Grey. Yeah, like Jean Grey for for sure. Like they're like, you know, Jean Grey. I don't even think is good. Is like best in slot for like the decks that would want her. Like she's like she, she's maybe like strongest in like a surfer deck or something. And even then, it's like. That's a tight deck list. Like you don't even you don't really need her. Um, I have fun with that card though. Yeah. I do like that card, the Jean Grey card. So it, I it, like her in uh, I like her in Thanos. Yeah, I just started yeah. replaying Thanos again because I got the the spotlight Thanos. Oh yeah, I'm saving all my spotlights for next month. It just next month looks so fun. Ne- this this month for August for the yeah, the, the Dakon month. Yeah, there's some with really cool Dakin stuff. With Dakon and X23. And I stuff really like want X23. I feel like she's gonna be a big game changer because because you know like X23, uh, she, I it gives extra mana when she's destroyed and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but she she similar to Wolverine, she appears again. She doesn't get yes. stronger, but she just appears again. So so like I think that. Um, with a lot of the destroy packages, like with Destroyer or um, uh, like uh, 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 Deadpool and Null and stuff like that, you 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 always like need more mana. You you always need like one more mana than you have available, right? Where like you really want to like last turn, you might really want to play a Null, but then you're having this weird thought of like, but I need the one more mana to play my like eighty power. Deadpool so like what do I do like you know like I like I I just like have to make these like dumb decisions and I think that x23 just being able to like keep like eating her over and over again like like carnage her one turn and then deathlock her another turn or whatever um is going to be like what that deck needed for a long time um yeah it's going to be cool like on the last turn getting to play you're going to have like that seven energy and you're going to play like null and deadpool yeah that's what i'm saying like it's that. exactly what it's i said yeah, it's like it's like you like you need that one energy to play that to play out null and deadpool so so like well, I, that's I think, me agreeing with you so so there so like i think that this is a good month for it um but I, but i do like i, I just want but i do want to tip my hat again to like the way that uh the spotlight I do want to tip my head again to the, the way that the spotlight caches have brought back uniqueness to the game a little bit more where, um, yeah, like which you, people seem to hate for some reason. I, I will people, people hate the idea of losing agency. It right? is, it is like anathema. Jeff. Everyone's think, just like, I didn't buy Jeff and I want Jeff and I can't get Jeff. Yeah. I, I mean like it's anathema to collectors because, like, I think that this system is, like, for the most part, I think this system is really, like, kind of straight up telling you, like, 
you know, it, 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 I, I guess like it's it's hard to tell the community this. It's like you need a PSA to say, number one, um, you won't collect every card anymore, and then that is that is frustrating to some people who are like. Oh, without spending money like like even then like even if you spend money it's pretty hard to do it like you pretty you gotta like wail mad hard to be able to get like if you want to get every spotlight if you want to get every spotlight card and get like because then you have to get the the token version of the card and the spotlight card and then you have a limited time to do that right you have one week you have a one week window so you're having to like spend a lot to get at you have to get four spotlight caches a week to guarantee it and you have to get at least three thousand to six thousand tokens um, but I, I think that more importantly that, that, that like, and, and, uh, you know, I, I can understand why this is like anathema and that someone would hate this, but the system is telling you like by changing the system and making it the way that it is, it's finally going to be the first time in a while where, uh, going back to where p- play us uh, pool three complete players are going to be able to like, you know, see that someone has a card and be excited for it or has like a variant and be excited for it because I love the spotlight variants. I think it's such an incredible idea. They look fantastic. Right. And they look so good. And for pool three and five complete, like people, like I have like mostly every card. So like, I'm not trying to get base Thanos. So I get like, you know, this crazy, awesome, just like super cool looking spotlight variant of Thanos. And then it goes away in a week. Right. And then now as time goes on, that spotlight variant gets rarer and rarer and rarer. And it's not about owning everything. Right. It's like, you know, you, you have this card and we're, we're going to, we're, we are entering back into a snap world where, you know, people are going to be more excited. You're going to see an opponent and be like, damn, they, they got the Mirage spotlight variant. Like that's gotta be rare as shit. Cause I do have it. I do have the Mirage spotlight variant. Oh, I have the um the Peach Momoko. Spotlight? Oh, oh the Mirage? The uh yeah. Peach nice. Momoko Mirage. It's nice. So that's cool. Cool. Evo going on. Gonna be yeah, so Evo's exciting. going on. Sure. Oh. Uh if they didn't put the fucking uh Street Fighter finals at ten PM on a Sunday night. What you know like, the one weird thing is why is super it fucking, why is it like, top? Why six? would they do that? Since when have they done I have that? No idea. Always I don't top know. eight. I don't know. That's just Pokimane coming in here trying to change the rules because she's the boss now, you know? Yeah. Come That's on. Po- get my Pokimane out of out of my my fighting games. What does she know? It's never been a better time to like fighting games. You, this was this was the um the most entrance that Evo has ever had. There were uh like seven thousand five hundred or so um entrance for Street Fighter Six. Or uh, um which is by far the highest amount. Uh, it is insane to think about the logistics of taking 7,500 people and putting them in brackets and putting them in pools and trying to get them out of that and then have that run smoothly. That is like horrifying to me. I like, you know, like I have so much respect for, uh, tournament, turn, uh, TOs and everything and the people who run Evo for being able to do that. That's insane. Um, this is the biggest Evo has ever been, um, again, so like it's it's so exciting and i seriously think that street fighter 6 is like the best uh uh um spectator fighting game of all time it is so crazy like that street fighter 6 has built in all these mechanics that are like these like hold your breath mechanics of like the 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 way that like and then also it has like these these like deep system mechanics that commentators are just getting to like sink their teeth into as players are getting more comfortable with it, where players are starting to make 
choices between doing damage or doing drive gauge damage and uh like all this like positioning matters more in that game than anything because like getting someone to the corner and burn out and being able to uh, uh, drive impact them and, and stun them. So like, there's just so much to talk about from a commentator standpoint that like, I'm loving that. I'm loving this level of competition. I just feel like there's a lot of moments where you see like someone burnt out in the corner and you're just like, just like you, you want that person to stay alive because you like that character or that player. And you're just like holding your breath. Like, how are they going to get out of this? Like they're, they're about to get eliminated from the tournament, but and and they're against the wall and in burnout. Like, what are they, what are they going to do to save themselves? And so, like, it just it's a great game. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Great spectator game, and not too not too hard to follow. No, I mean it's really simple to follow for the for the most part because it almost I, I if I was like going to talk to a spectator about like how does this work, it would be like look at the green gauge. Like the green gauge is like everything. Is like that is the people are gambling with that gauge like to to try and get hits that's your ex that's your life that's your you burn out of that you're just screwed so like 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 a lot of the game is that push and pull with the the drive gauge and that's obviously was the goal from the beginning right to make for from this game is to make chip damage and to make ex moves and all of kind of the entire game almost synergizes with that one gauge so it's just like thing of like look at the health and look at the drive gauge and like that will tell you the story of what's going on right so it's like it's it's easy for a spectator to look at those things once they understand that and then just understand like the i gotta look at those two two, two gauges you know right on this should probably be games you're loving it i'm loving it are you loving video games or what they're okay they're good yeah gotta go back to school what video games are you looking forward to um, Grand Blue Rising versus uh, the, uh, multiple new characters just got announced for Grand Blue Rising versus, and um, obviously I talk a lot about fighting games, and I am like a really big sucker for Grand Blue, and then also Uniel Two um, got uh, announced, and I, we don't really know other than it being announced and that the <laughs> like the UI looks different. Other than those two things, like I don't know what else about it. I hope that this is like rollback. Um, uh, I would almost be happy with Uniel 2 being literally just that cast and that game with rollback. I think that like a lot of people like, like that game is like one of the best fighting games I think ever released. Um, Interesting. Wow. Uh, you, you, that game is like, I think about, uh, Undernight all the time now when I think about other fighting games, because the, that game just does the best job. I think so far, like one of the best jobs alongside, Blaze Blue probably is the only game that gets to this level of characters just being wildly different, um, wi- just wildly different, um, and um, uh, uh, just j- just from like every step, from the way that they play, they feel the combos, movement. Um, uh, there's even like that crazy mechanic because it's battle for the grid, right? And there's the grid system um, where uh, every thirty seconds, it's the game is looking at like you wish it were battle for the grid, battle for the grid. So, so I am excited about um, this uh, uh, Uniel 2, see what's going on about that. Project L, like we said before, um, uh, gotten getting some crazy updates. Maybe worth just saying this quick because this is, I think this is kind of big, is like Project L will have online duos or singles. Um, and you can, uh, it is a, uh, a two. Finally, v- a fighting game where I can blame somebody else for losing. Hell yeah. It's a 2v2 fighting game. 
um, a tag game where just like, you know, your, your Marvel infinites or whatever, where, or tech and tag, where you have two, you have to play two characters at once. You switch between them and one of them can do like, you know, an assist, or you can switch in and play them as a time. And when one character dies, you're forced to the other character or whatever, you know, you know how the deal is. Um, but the crazy thing about this game is that it's going to support two people playing it. So one person on each character or one person playing it solo. Um, and there's this, like, this other thing that I didn't know about the game that is only now being, like, kind of talked about is this kind of, like, it, it kind of reminds me of the groove system from, uh, uh, Capcom versus SNK, where, um, you pick your two characters and then you pick, or, or, or your, um, infinite gem from, uh, Marvel Infinite, where you pick yeah. your two characters and you pick, like, a style. And the different styles, there's, there's one where, um, you can uh, uh, tag into a character, and then for the first couple seconds, they're able to play as that character, and then you can tag back into the other character. So you can do something where you tag your friend in, and your friend is able to... Instead of just coming in and just doing an attack, they're able to control the character. So they could do, like, an overhead, and then time it with you doing, like you know, an attack that's going to, an overhead that, like, doesn't combo, and then you're going to time it with you doing an attack that can do a combo so you can get a combo off an overhead or something, and that's crazy. Um, and then there's there's one where it's, like, it changes the way that meter works. There's one that changes the way that your movement works and defense works, and, like, so, that, so like, there's probably going to be more announced by, by the time that it comes out, but it's kind of cool. So you're going to, so, like, it just means that there's going to be further player agency where you're going to pick two characters on a team and a style that's going to change the way that the, uh, something, the, the, some drastically the way that something works in the game. And it, it, they all, it seems like they all have something that change a mechanic, um, entirely. So like, obviously there's like the, the one that, that I explained that changes the way that tags work. There's one that's like changes the way that like, you know, parries or whatever, or like, um, uh, meter works. So like that is really, I think that's really cool. I think that that's, that's really good, and um, it's a great team working on Project L. And the, there was a fine, like a huge drop that just came before Evo, and it's playable at Evo. And I'm only hearing amazing things. Like people are very excited about it, um, and that it's like very hype. And that's good to hear because it's Riot, and uh, uh, like for for whatever minor complaints we have about Valorant, I still like love it so deeply, and um, I, I trust them a lot um, to get these things right. You know, like these are fans of the genre playing the game. And I think that like the first fighting game ever, that's just going to be like, it just all works and it's all good. And it's all great out of the package. is going to be this one. I believe that. What about you? Is there, is there something that you are excited about on the horizon? Starfield. Oh yeah. Starfield. Say. I'm one of those, uh, I'm one of those Bethesda game enjoyers. Oh my God. My cat just opened my door. I've never seen that happen. I'm a Bethesda game enjoyer. I look forward to that game. I'm going to be in New York when it comes out, though, so I've, uh, I'm going to have to really be just, like, avoiding the internet uh, for, for a minute. Oh, wow. Yeah. When do you come to New York? Is there going to be time to see me? Um, maybe, but maybe not. It's going to be the a, first week of Academy um, man, September. Uh, learning man, uh, 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 Ryan Kirby. Uh, my, I've had my cat for, I think, almost two years. I forgot when, when Monty passed away. And... In that two years, I've never seen him open a door. He opened, he just opened the door on his own. It wasn't locked, but he was able to like push completely push it open. Really makes you wonder. Really makes you wonder. I guess that is my signal. Um, my cat is telling me that it is time to feed him 
and that it is it, it is that is what what well, is let me know if you want to play some remnant i i, I also like, yes remnant. I'll, I'll, I'll probably play some of that all right let me know that's the podcast wtdg podcast what's the deal with games uh for the week of august 6th uh you know wtdgpodcast.com that's the website at sign WTDG podcast on the X platform, on the X platform. You remember? X. We're, it's not we're Twitter gonna, anymore. We're gonna X. exit. We're gonna exit out. We're gonna exit out, and we're gonna uh, say, anyone do our uh, re X me or XD and just exit. You know, um, uh, exit the X and X X out. You know, you know, this isn't a podcast about this, but. Why would you buy... Imagine if I had enough money to buy Disney, right? And I'm buying Disney and I'm buying the name Disney. And now I own everything about Disney. Or let's say, let's say like, you know, Disney buys Marvel, right? Which they did. And let's say they buy Marvel, they own everything. And they say, you know what? Um, Iron Man isn't Iron Man anymore. He's the, he's the Metalloid Maniac. And it's not Marvel. It's, it's uh, fantastic. And... The, the you know I think audience would would be con- would be rightfully confused like okay so you bought the name and then you, you you bought the name and then you changed it which means to me that you could have like why didn't Elon Musk just make his own shitty Twitter ripoff called X like he just he bought the name Twitter and which comes with like decades worth of all this terminology like tweets and subtweets. And he bought it to change it to Xing and then sub Xing and he Xed me. Like, what the? What? I'm just so confused. But he's so smart. That's why he's a millionaire. Wow. You wouldn't get That's it. That's where we are. You wouldn't get it. He's so smart. That's why he's a millionaire. Thank you, James. Um, uh, uh, you you talked about the Xing. Um, uh, thank you, Ryan Galloway. Uh, frequent frequent uh, mention apparently uh, topic on the show. Uh, and thank you, Bumper for Bumpier for the use of your musics. We use the music. You can get it off the new album. Gets newer every single day. Pop songs twenty twenty. You can find them at YouTube, where you can find links to all their merch. I hear that there might be some new uh, new crying in the works. We've been hearing about that for a while, but um, I don't know if the devs are ready to talk about it. It's kind of like a path thing. Maybe they'll maybe at the next um, CryCon. Are you going to CryCon this year? Is that a thing? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're making uh, uh, Ryan Galloway and Crying. They're coming back together. They're going to make a Crying convention. It's CryCon. Is that real? For fans of Crying. Is that real? No, it's not. Wow. It would be weird joke. if it were. It's a clever, clever joke. You never know with these musicians. They're weirdos. And so are we. I'm not weird. <laughs>